This is Amy Cohen Epstein, founder, president, and executive director of the Lynn Cohen Foundation. And this is The Seam, the series for education and awareness in medicine, the podcast and the educational platform of the Lynn Cohen Foundation. On this podcast, we're all about women's health, wellness, and preventive care. So let's get into it. Well, hello, ladies, sisters. This is so fun to have two sisters with me today, Lisa and Sarah, coming from a family of sisters. It's just, I know it'll be a really good conversation and the dynamic and the back and forth is really great and doing something together. Yeah. So let's just jump into it Mm -hmm. and tell me about Heart Snug and why. Just give the why. How did it start? Why did it start? And Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm so Sarah. Hi, Sarah. um, So I was born with a very complex heart defect. So I had open heart surgery as a baby. And so for the first, gosh, 15 years of my life, I was in and out of so many different doctor's appointments and procedures. And particularly then I went to a research hospital in San Francisco, UCSF, which is an incredible institution. But there was just so much chest exposure. And primarily then it was, cardiology is a male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. So just so many men looking at my chest and manipulating the gown that I was wearing, or oftentimes it kind of just got removed because they were, you know, they were trying to do things to save my life, right? So that was the priority. How old were you during this time? Um, I was probably, I mean, it, or my the, whole life, okay. but the, the first, time when you really, where you like were conscientious of the, the first fact that you had years. something open. Okay. Yeah. Teen years. Teen years. Mm-hmm. So Teen that years. is a tough time to have. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly hard. Cardiologist feeling your yes. chest. And I remember like laying up when I was having one of the procedures done thinking, oh, like, why can't I wear like a bra? I mean, I was just so insecure. So fast forward years later. Um, so five years ago, I had a stroke, which landed me. I mean, I've always had regular cardiology appointments and care, but this was like a pivotal point in my life. Back, I had, you know, some procedures and and back in the in and out doctor's phase that many of us that live with chronic illness know and live with. And at that point, I realized, oh my gosh, it still doesn't exist. They're still giving me just the gown. My chest is open. I go to the emergency room at times and you're laying because, you know, the the overflow, I'm outside and I, I wanted more protection. So that's really how Heart Snug came to be. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I've always, you know, known her struggles and her complaints, you know, throughout the years about just feeling vulnerable in that way. And and so just, we started talking and, and you know, we discussed it with our other partner who lives up in San Francisco, Lauren, and we were like, let's do something. And so we literally just started drawing and working with a pattern maker and trying to figure out a way to make this happen. I mean, it doesn't exist. So, I mean, we're patented. It does not exist. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So if women are wearing them mm-hmm. during an exam, let's say with a cardiologist, mm-hmm. maybe even a, a, like a breast doctor or breast oncologist, mm-hmm. can they leave it on and do everything they need to do? I mean, I'm assuming there's some wiggle room in that, but- Absolutely. So the impetus was cardiology. That's where we really initially saw the need. And Lisa can talk about how it's expanded with breast cancer and radiology. Mm-hmm. And we have personal experience with that. But as you can see, heart snug, we've cut it very low. So the stethoscope can go yeah. on the chest without any interference. 
And then also it's Velcro. And so you just Velcro it open and one side can be covered. I feel like I'm a flight, uh, I like a flight attendant doing a demonstration. <laughs> What's her name? I think the mannequin needs a name. <laughs> that's what she does need a name. She does. <laughs> All right, that's- We've got to uh, figure that one we'll out. It needs but, to be um, like a mashup of your two names. Like a Lara or Lara. Oh, mom's license plate. Lisa oh, Sarah is our mom. Well, there you go. I think that's, that's her name. name. I love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was helpful. Uh, yeah, Lauren will figure out how to incorporate you into this also. Okay, so- so anyway, yeah. yeah. So you Velcro, and so obviously the right side is covered, and the left side can you remove for you know whatever needs to happen on the left side. Yeah, it's just it's just creating an extra layer of privacy. Yeah, and that was our goal from the beginning. Yeah. So we just want, I mean, we want Heart Snug just to be like the the standard of care, you know, an opt out, so to speak. Yeah. So you you walk into an appointment and you're given the gown and you're given Heart Snug, and if you want to wear it, you can. If not, you don't. But it shouldn't even be a question. Just sort of pivoting for one sec. As a business, mm-hmm. what are your avenues? Is it to have contracts with hospitals? Is that yeah. the goal? Okay. Yeah. So the goal is to go direct to hospitals. And we're actually, um, we're in a bunch of trials right now with a lot of big name hospitals. It's so amazing. Yeah. So and that's- we're in one hospital. We're in UCSF. Okay. Children's. Okay. Yeah. They loved it for the teen market. Yeah. And okay. because of Sarah's story. My story. And, because yeah. of and, and you were at UCSF. It started it. up yeah. there. So it's like, it's come full circle for And Sarah. what is the reaction or like when you go down that mm-hmm. road, I mean, I know there's insane amount of bureaucracy in hospitals. That's been the struggle for sure. Of course. Yeah. But when you get to the right person, assuming mm-hmm. you have, it sounds like you are at least close to these other hospitals. What's the reaction? Obviously USF was very positive yeah. mm-hmm. and it was very personal, Yeah. but has the reaction been open and excited or has it been a little like, oh, it's another thing? I mean, it's a mix. And it's interesting that you asked that because the pushback, you know, has because it's, it's still quite a male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Men don't necessarily understand it as much as women. And they're like, well, you have a gown. So, so isn't that enough privacy? Like we've been doing this for years and nothing's wrong with it, but we're just looking for, you know, something better, like a better standard of care. Yeah. And I guess it so, depends who your representative is on the other end. So, so the if female, it's a male, the female, the female population yeah. is like, of course, it's a no-brainer. You know all of the, the all of that feedback, and you know females really, really. There are champions, and they're yeah. really getting it to, in the right. So places, receptive. So, so yeah. it's just the challenge is just getting heart snug into hospitals to do tr- clinical trials because we've got to get the data to justify, you know, to see who's wearing it, who wants to wear who it, who wants to wear it, yeah. so that I these mean, hospitals yeah. can you know justify purchasing it and, yeah. and you know spending money on it. So, the trials are crucial. But the initial feedback from everyone is great, but you got to wear it. We got yeah. we to get patients or- And to answer, know. and the second part of your question, so we're on Amazon also. Okay. So the, obviously we want all women to be able to have access to it, but but really it's the hospitals. We want it to be offered in clinics and hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're more That's, likely to put it on if it's sitting there exactly. with your robe than to bring it with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the women certainly, I'm certain there are women that would buy it and then just know that that's what they're taking it and using it you for. You keep it in your trunk, in your yeah. throw bag. I mean, so many women, yeah. obviously, you know, dealing with radiation, they go yeah. every day. All the time. Mom went every day for three weeks straight. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So it did start out with Sarah's story mm-hmm. and that was sort of, you know, the impetus for it. But um, our mom actually did have breast cancer while we were sort of in the middle of creating all of so this. So somewhat recently. Yeah. Like, yeah. Within the last year. Oh, oh I mean, she so, ended radiation two weeks ago. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Round, yeah. So it was just kind of like crazy because we were like, mom, you know, obviously bring heart snug with you. And she was sort of our proof of concept in a way, you know, which was kind of like just a weird, you know, obviously we didn't 
want that to happen. Of course. But we were like, but, you know, we kind of documented her journey and her, yeah. you know, all of that. And she wore it every day. Um, she put it on when she went into radiation. And then she'd lay down on, on the machine um, or on the bed and the doctor would open it up and then do her radiation and then close it back up. And then she'd put her robe back on and she'd go get changed. So yeah. she was never really exposed and to that point uh-huh. also, it's disposable. So you yeah. just toss it and go, or you can wear it home and just throw it then. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond your mom's reaction, what were the people around her's reaction? Were people like, what is this? This is amazing. Yes. Like, where did this come yes. from? What are you wearing? They How do I get it. these? It's yeah. one of those like- No brainers. No brainers. Like we wear bras throughout the day, right? Except yeah. for when we sleep. Like, why aren't there bras available yeah. when there are appointments? And in particular, like some with chronic illness, like myself, I mean, I can be in a doctor's appointment for four hours because there's multiple appointments. I might have a- Going an, from, a, you know, from office to office. Office or, to office, you know. And so I just wear it with a sweatshirt over and then I and then I just like toss it. Yeah. So, Well, I was thinking about this because I had my annual mammogram and ultrasound just a few weeks ago and their protocols changed post-COVID I don't know really why now, but to have, I guess, less people moving around within the mm-hmm. different offices. And then also like it used to be, you would change and then put all your stuff in the in like a little locker yeah. where yes. I go, right? And then put on the robe and then you'd be in the robe. And if you do like a mammogram and ultrasound, you would be going to two different rooms mm-hmm. in that robe, which of course never stays closed. And it's like so flimsy. Right. But for me, this last time, I didn't. I just went straight to the mammogram room, took off my shirt, and there was no even reason to put on the robe because I was going straight to the mammogram machine, mm-hmm. put my shirt back on, and then went into the ultrasound room and took it off. Mm-hmm. But there were moments where I was just sort of sitting there or waiting with like, you know, half naked. And mm-hmm. I laughed about it to her. I said, well, I, <laughs> I grew up with sisters. I don't mind yeah. being naked. So that <laughs> yeah. you haven't seen before. And she was like, yeah, you know, I see breasts all day. Yeah. But that's, you know, me in that situation, probably trying to make light of it. So I don't feel uncomfortable and she doesn't feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it, knowing that I was seeing you two thinking there are women who don't feel comfortable, who don't want to stand there even for 10 extra seconds waiting to be in the mammogram machine, which is, by the way, incredibly uncomfortable anyways, mm-hmm. and be completely exposed. I mean, you think someone's looking at you, even if the tech is, you know, not and doesn't care really and has seen, you know, 7,000 pairs of boobs that month. But it is, it's very awkward. It's uncomfortable. And then thinking if you're young and you're in that moment in time in life as a teen or preteen right. where that's all you're thinking about. And then people are just sort of, you know, looking at it and looking at your boobs. And I mean, it's, it must've been so uncomfortable. It's a vulnerable situation. I mean, but also, I mean, think about, you know, the older demographic also. I mean, there's that, there's, there's women with certain religious beliefs that don't even want to go to the doctor. Women who've had surgeries Um, and are disfigured. Well, that's the other thing. I have a friend who absolutely dreads going to the gynecologist, even just because she doesn't want to take her, she doesn't want to expose her breast. Yeah. She had a mastectomy and, and, you know, implants and she's just not happy with that. So, yeah. and it's uncomfortable. It's, it's just, you know, it depends. It just depends on who you are and how you feel, but we just, we want to make it available for women that, that do want it. We just want the know? option to be there. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. all, that's all we want. Why wouldn't it be, you know, I yeah. mean, especially now at this yeah. point, you're like, why, why wouldn't it be there? It's such a no brainer. It Right. 
And what I'd say too is like, there's such a focus now on the patient experience and patient care and whether someone wants a chaperone. I mean, that's a really Mm -hmm. big push in hospitals these days for legality and X, Y, and Z. So heart's not positively impacts the patient experience. Absolutely. It gives us control. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. I, I mean, I wholeheart, wholeheartedly agree. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it also takes some of that like weirdness away from the medical professional also because they're not worried about saying the wrong thing or I don't know. It just, it just, right. I mean, it just helps doctors not have to even worry and about remove, that. And also helps with communication with mm-hmm. the, from the patient to the doctor, remove some barriers. You feel I, a little more comfortable talking yeah. to your doctor when you're covered versus exposed. Yes. So there's two interesting points to that. One is, is that, or that I would make now. One is, I mean, I could see women wearing this during childbirth. So Mm -hmm. if you think about during childbirth, you're basically wearing a robe that completely opens most of the time. Mm -hmm. And you're, who knows what's happening because you're focusing on other things that there's no reason. There's nothing going on with your chest or your breasts when you're having a baby, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're at a research hospital, I was for two of my kids, hmm. it was a full packed room. I for mean, sure. there were so many people in there, so many residents. This is a teaching hospital. It's at Georgetown. And there were they were young. I mean, they were these were like yeah. young kids, men and women. And I was sort of young and I wasn't paying attention, but I'm sure my breasts were flying around when, <laughs> when right. I was there for, you know, however long it took. And it would make so much sense instead of a robe or under your robe yeah. to have Heart's not gone for sure. We don't think about it though, because no, it's just- it wasn't on the table. We take what's on given the table. us. Yes. Here's the gown, here's the robe, yes. put it on. And then we don't think about it and we just let them tell us versus, you know- A hundred percent, especially as women. And especially as women in a medical situation, mm-hmm. you sort of do what you're told. Yep. Which is the second point I would make, which is, you know, it's interesting. We, with the Lynn Cohen Foundation and with our educational platform- the Peony Project and the Seam, mm-hmm. we do a lot of talks and we bring in experts and doctors to give you know updates, explanations, what's happening in the world of breast cancer, oncology, ovarian cancer, all sorts of mm-hmm. things. And when women are in groups, so even if it's seven, 12, 80 women listening to a true expert speak about something particular that has to do with women's health, wellness, or preventive care, you have so, we have so many questions very personal, very detailed questions that women don't ask when they are alone in a room with their doctor. They don't. So even if I love my gynecologist and I'm probably different because I'm much more, you know, in depth in this world than others, but women, you're alone with your doctor, intimidated. you're intimidated. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, things on the walls that tell you where they went to school. They're the doctor. They know what's best. They're They're wearing the coat. They're wearing a coat. You're in a gown. You're in it, totally. Yeah. And how often nowadays, syndrome. yeah. And how often nowadays do you get dressed and then go sit in their office? That sort of used to be happen. It doesn't happen That's so much That's a really anymore. interesting point. I can't remember the last, it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't, doesn't exist any well, longer. It's funny. I actually still experience that with my internist who's really? very old school and I love him for, that, for reason. that reason. I love him for that reason. You get dressed, you sit in the office, you mm-hmm. have a full conversation about mm-hmm. your medical history and you feel like you're actually, you know, talking to a peer versus the white coat syndrome. The doctor, yeah. Yeah. Looking up, you know, feeling little. Yeah, Um, but most people don't, especially with specialists. So you're in this room, it's very quick. You're half naked, you're barely covered. And by the way, the robes often don't even go that far down our legs. They're like, you know, you've also just been completely exposed if you're in a gynecologist's office, for example. 
And the idea that at that moment you would have the self-confidence to ask the questions that you may have even written down and things that are changing in your body, things that are different. And women don't, especially women, they don't ask those questions. We also feel so rushed for time. Yeah. Because you're waiting there a half hour Mm -hmm. for your appointment and then you're in for- Their time's so important, right? Right. Yeah. And you you feel guilty almost for asking a question. Yes. You know. Right. So you're in and out and- so anyway, we're very excited about it. It's and amazing. It's, just, it's full circle and we're seeing so many uses for it. Um, dermatology, well, empower- like yes. there's so much. So much. And yeah. you're at the essence, at the core, you're empowering women to feel comfortable, to feel confident. And then those things will allow, I think, women to speak up for themselves. As mm-hmm. I always say, be their own advocates because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. you By adding mm-hmm. a barrier, you've eliminated a, beer, a barrier, Correct. right? Yes. Which is, I mean, what more could you ask for? So I think it's just incredible. Thank I have you. a question, Yes, which is coming from a family with two older sisters and we all started the Lincoln Foundation together, but I really run it day to day and all of it. How is it working together? Oh, the best. <laughs> I, we're not just saying that, I, We're right? really not I just saying it. that. I mean, we have so much fun. We Work is not work. Yes. yes. I mean, it, the experience has been great. Can I we mean, we bounce, each other? we bounce everything off each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Do we're you working. complement each other in terms of what your areas either of expertise 100%. or your just sort of natural inclinations? Yeah, natural like inclinations. Lisa's incredible. She's the one that really worked with the pattern maker and yeah. she just has a real keen sense for design and what works and that aesthetics and, aesthetics, and that sort of that's thing. Who, who she is at the core. And I, my whole, like it's in my DNA, it's just medical. I'm like in another life, I would have loved to be a doctor. It's yeah. not that I still can't, but yeah. you know, so just having the access and I'm, you know, constantly speaking with nurses and, and residents and doctors and whoever it may be about heart snug, just being in their presence. Like it's, it's really special to me. Yeah. And then two parts. Lisa, Mm -hmm. how did Sarah's childhood Mm -hmm. affect you and change the way you see the world, the way your relationship is, and then your mom getting sick? Mm -hmm. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I I had a lot of guilt actually later Mm -hmm. on in life. It came up later on in life because I was always the healthy one, Yeah, you know, and Sarah was always limited in things she could do and foods she could eat and (laughs) activities and sports and all of those things. And we sort of just, it just is what it was then. But then later in life, I, I did feel a lot of guilt. And so that was hard. But How'd um, you get through that? She's helped a lot with that because she she's so confident in who she is and, and her struggles have shaped her into this person. And we have zero competition and she's just really just you know, just been so. Thank you. I love you. She's, I've, anyone that knows me knows like Lisa's such a role model to me. I've always looked up to her. She's always been my big sister. She always built me. I mean, it's like what she says I do. And you know that like. Yeah, but it it, it goes both ways. I mean, literally, I mean, I bounce everything off her. So it shaped me into just being, I think, more compassionate with people who have struggles like my sister did and just more empathetic and, you know, just teaching my kids about empathy and, and instilling all of that in, in them, you know? So, but- I mean, the reality of fragility changes. Yes. The way you see the world changes Absolutely. your life, changes 
yeah. just your whole path, I think. Yeah. But it's just, it's amazing. And I'm so proud of her. I mean, she's done so much in just, met- you have in terms of, she's written, I mean, she wrote a child. Uh, I, I wrote a, talk a, about it. Yeah. I wrote a preschool age book about living with invisible differences. So those that can't have a peanut allergy or, you know, ADHD or whatever it may be. It's just a little story that I published. And yeah, so I've done that. I've done a lot of work. She's published different, you know, articles and various journals. And, you know, she's really taken her struggle and just turned it into a real positive journey. Thank you. Yeah. Which is amazing. And by the way, that's not the norm and it's really hard to do. So you should feel really proud of that. She should. I and mean, you it's do. a big Thank deal. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think experiencing any sort of trauma or mm-hmm. loss, whatever that loss is, when you're young, especially, I mean, it hundred percent changes the way they see the world, but a lot of people get very bitter, mm-hmm. very why me mm-hmm. and have the inability to take what they've been through and really make something positive out of it. I mean, it's truly lemons into lemonade. And not yeah. only have you done that for yourself in your own life, but now you're sharing it with others and doing it together, I've chose, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. It oh, really thank is. You so much. It's really admirable. Yeah. I mean, just, I've never felt like, why me? It's just not yeah. who I am. It's not my identity. I've always had a sense of pride living with a heart condition. Mm-hmm. That was never an issue. But I, I definitely did have challenges in school and the special PE class yeah. and limited in different ways. But I think just now, I'm, you know, I'm 46 years old. I have a 16-year-old son. I've grown so much. We all have challenges. We all have things that um, we're dealing with. And so I'm just embracing kind of what is and what I know. And what I know is I want to help all women feel better in doctor's appointments. And that's just what it is. And so that's like our mission. And see, that's how she's made it easy for me, you know, because she hasn't been like, why me? Why me? Right. And And I have a beautiful life. I mean, I I don't, Yeah, like we're good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think finding your own power in your own struggles and journey, and then using that to empower other women. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. It's been very cathartic. And, you know, we've, we've done a lot of research and we've done a ton of surveys just to get to this point to understand if there's a need, if there's a want, we may want it, but the overwhelming response has been just like, yes, like, where is it? Where do I get it? And so that's why we're really pushing forward. I had an interesting conversation with a friend who lost her mother when she was younger, not to cancer. And we talked a lot about how sort of taking the experience and making it positive is also an incredible way to heal yourself. And it sort of forces you sometimes then to look into, well, how did I go through that? And what do I still need to do maybe in terms of work to get really through it if you ever do? Mm-hmm. But this sort of healing process, you know, continues for a really long time. But doing something where you're like really ensconcing yourself into something that could change the way other women go through what you went through or many other avenues, it can be really healing for yourself. Did you find that? And then when your mom got sick, I know it's maybe sort of detached, but did it have an impact on how you dealt with your mom's cancer journey? It actually kind of did because we're sort of like a a very light, like kind of family, joking (laughs) sort of family. And so we sort of took heart snug and, and we'd kind of make it, not a joke about it, but when she'd go to her doctor, don't forget heart snug. Yeah. You know, (laughs) when she'd go to radiation, she'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm just a little frazzled this morning. I, you know, I, I didn't remember to bring it. And we were like, oh, come on, mom. You know, (laughs) you gotta bring heart snug with you. You know, it just, I don't know. There's just been something we've just kind of used heart snug 
to kind of I think we've all bonded, but I think we, I hate that we bonded, but yeah. we've all bonded over yeah. right. Nug. Right. Um, and then our other co-founder, she lives in San Francisco, Lauren, her mother also had cancer and wore it through, you know, all of her appointments. So the, all of us, we've just kind of rallied around. It's yeah. just been strange that it's just, yeah, it's just been this thing that has played such a role in all of our <laughs> lives. Right. But that's unintentionally. Yeah. It's very unintentional. Right. Unintentionally, but perhaps makes a lot of sense because of how it started, why it started and how you're putting it out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but also it's just crazy how many people are just going through yeah. stuff. I mean, and so, you know, it's like, you know, I have another friend who was going through breast cancer radiation and she wore heart snug. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just so, there's so many people. And then also just going to just your yearly appointment, you have a physical, you have a dermatology appointment for a mole check. Yeah. You really have to be naked and take right. your bra off. Can't you just wear this? And yeah. Yeah. Know, I mean, a lot of people will just keep this with pants on if you don't need to, you yeah. know, if you don't need to take your pants, it's just easy. You don't have to undress, just put this on, be done. There's no so. metal in it. And so you can wear it like Lisa, you wore yours. I've in, worn it in, in MRIs. MRI. You know, you can wear an ultrasound, whatever you, it, there's no metal. It, there's no traces of metal. That's so. kind of amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. we've done testing and it's really useful. And so we're Isn't excited. It amazing that it yeah. didn't exist, that nothing uh, like know. this existed. I mean, it's so great that it does now. But it seems so basic. It, it's so yeah. basic. It seems so basic. It seems yeah. so like, I don't understand yeah. how right. this wasn't around. Yeah. We're not scientists. We're not, yeah. um, you know, surgeons. <laughs> yeah. We're just normal people, normal patients yeah. who could have benefited from something like this. Yeah. And yeah. patients are It what? always takes the women to make these kinds of right. inventions yeah. and these always. things. Always, yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's patients who actually make the healthcare industry thrive. So well, and yeah. we're all Hello. patients. We're right? all patients for something at some time and sometimes deeper than other times. But we all go to the dentist. I mean, there's always a patient aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the goals moving forward? You're in clinical trials at some hospitals. So what are like the next 18 months look like. For okay. So just getting tons of feedback from our surveys. Okay. So we have, you know, QR codes in various hospitals and, you know, data, data, data. And the more data we can get, the more um, we can help justify hospitals, you know, with their ROIs and get them in everywhere. That's what we're working on. 18 months, you know, and then on. So if they have gowns that mm-hmm. are reusable, that mm-hmm. they wash, mm-hmm. and then they have heart snug, is there any sort of cost limitation that the hospitals are seeing in terms of like, this is so expensive or we this would, it seems so incremental into what they also do for well, that's gowns why. and changing gowns and washing them and laundering them and the mm-hmm. whole thing. It wouldn't necessarily be in lieu of the gown. So it would be an in additional addition cost. To, it would yeah. be an additional cost. So that's why we have to, you know, we have to get the data to justify, yeah. you know, how this could impact the patient yeah. experience in a positive way yeah. and therefore- you know, help and the patients going to that, that specific place, exactly. clinic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And pretty soon they are going to not want to be the only place that Correct. doesn't have it because that's ridiculous. Right. Um, so that's right. We just want it to be just an opt out. It's just yeah. the standard of care. Wherever you go in the United States, heart snug is there and period the end. You walk in, yeah. it's, you can wear it or not, Yeah. but just yeah. have the option. That's all it is. That's and amazing. then our our partner Lauren, she she dreams big. She dreams real big. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know what? She keeps us going with that. So we appreciate it. But she, I mean, I, I have to say this for you, Lauren, globally too, not just the United yeah. States. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially speaking. even you know, and like you said earlier, with women who have 
religious hesitations mm-hmm. to being exposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an enormous market, I think, for women oh. and going to doctors who defer and then don't go to the doctors because they don't want to go through that experience. Yeah. But if the actual experience was changed, perhaps it would make them, you know, get there. There is actual research that yeah. shows that women do not go to the yeah. doctor because of the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. So we've actually sent, we're doing a trial at, uh, in Israel, actually. That's right amazing. Now. So we'll see how, And you the know. Breast Cancer Foundation, we do a lot of- Yeah, yeah. the National Breast Cancer Foundation. So, yeah. so we've got samples in some of their partner hospitals. And also, yeah. I'm just going to say this too, also for emergencies, like with the Maui, yeah. the fires, yeah. um, we sent a lot to the burn um, units. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a bra, right? It's just a medical bra. We're not trying to reinvent, you know, the gown, but we are very excited because this should- exist in 2020. Because our simple little experiment <laughs> could be, or we want it to be something so big. It's a game know? changer. Don't, yeah. don't, don't poo-poo it. It's a total yeah. game changer. Yeah. I think it is a big deal. I think it is a big deal because it doesn't exist and now it does. Yeah. And that in itself is pretty amazing. And I do think it changes the way women feel and the way women feel empowered in a doctor's office. And then, like I said before, their ability to then feel confident enough to advocate for themselves or have another three-minute conversation that they might not have had because they were wanted the doctor out of there so they could scurry out of the gown and put their clothes back on. Exactly. And that's actually really important to hospitals too is one of the questions on our survey is actually, would this help increase communication with your doctor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So communication is important. I hope so. You know, yeah. for the, I mean, you know, for the for the hospitals as well. They want yeah. they want to know that that their doctors are, are listening. Or, yeah. yeah, listening. Well, also, I think, uh, for example, someone I know has had a ton of crazy exposures in his life, carcinogens, and all sorts of things from mm-hmm. a, a life in the military. Mm-hmm. And he's seen many doctors. Mm-hmm. And I always ask him afterwards, like, did you tell him your potentially why you're here? Like, did you explain the things that you've been exposed to? Did you, did you explain like any of your medical history? And he's like, no, Mm. I just answered the questions. And so I think it's very universal that people in general don't feel empowered to speak to a doctor when you're alone with them. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I think it's even more so for women and even more so if they're physically feeling exposed Mm -hmm. or are exposed, it's just a whole nother it's yeah. another I mean, level. It's women's equity. We do a lot with femtech. That's yeah. the space we've been in a lot lately. And it's just about our right to have a product that we need, right? Yeah. Like why hasn't it been considered in the past? Yeah. Why mm-hmm. hasn't it been important enough? And we know it's a long road. We know that yeah. it's going to be a long road ahead. We do because of the bureaucracy, but we're yeah. so, we're so up for the challenge. We really, really are. And That's we're going to, and we're staying the course. Oh yeah. Like hundred percent. We're like in 10 years, like even if it's, you know, it, we're, we're staying. So we know that it will yeah. make an impact. Yeah. So. And it will. And even if the impact is small, it'll be small but mighty. Mm-hmm. And then you never know how things thank you. go. So it's awesome. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks this for having us. so fun. I know. And it was, and it's really tremendous. I thank you. it's really great. We well, really what you do it. is tremendous. Yeah. Thanks. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 